chapter 3, looking at verses 13 and 14. It says, Brethren, I count it not myself to have apprehended, but this thing, one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, and reaching forth for those things which are before. Verse 14, I press toward the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Praise the Lord. I want to give you an opportunity to, to pray <clears throat> and give Lord thanks for another year, bring us through this year. And again, I'm looking forward to a, a new year. 
in Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Father, again, we're thankful to be in your house. Thankful for your presence. Thankful, Lord, for the spirit and the touch I've already felt this day, Lord. Father, I just pray, Lord, that you would minister and touch the way you see fit, Lord. Lifting up hearts, touching the minds of your people. Father, again, I thank you to be in your house, to be in your presence. Have your way, Lord, among your people. Father, I pray, Lord, that we do something, Lord, Lord, that will lift you up. And, Lord, we'd be careful just to praise you and give you all honor and glory. For, Lord, you're worthy of it all. Have your way, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Let's remain standing and continue to worship the Lord this morning.
closer every day. The reason we know that we can make it to heaven is because Jesus Christ is our living hope today. Let's declare that he is the Lord and Savior of our lives today. Lord, we welcome you in this place. Hallelujah. How great the chasm that lay between us. How high the mountain I could not
So let's declare we're still falling in love with the Lord. We're falling in love with Jesus. We're falling in love with Jesus. We're falling in love with Jesus. What's the best thing I've ever done? Because he burned. 
Father, we welcome you in this place today. Father, we thank you that you are a very present help in time of trouble. God, the best decision we ever made was falling in love with you and making you Lord and Savior of our lives. Father, as we get ready to transition to break the bread of life, Father, I pray that the same spirit that we have felt in the worship segment this morning will be the same spirit that will carry us through the remaining portion of this time together. Father, I thank you for every man, woman, boy, or girl under the sound of my voice this morning, both in-house and online. Father, I pray today for the many people that are not here, folks like the Emrine family who is sick in body and has some health concerns, people like Robert Chambers who's battling cancer, people like Sister Evelyn Barnes who's having some breathing problems and some respiratory issues and needs a touch in her body, people like the Carlson family that's sick with fever, People like James Falk that's battling COVID along with his daughter and grandchildren. God, there's a lot of people that need a touch from you today. And God, we know that if you were able to bring us safely, many of us in this auditorium had faced a lot of those same situations in 2021. But we made it through it, so I know you're a sustainer of life and you'll get them through it too. And I also know, God, that if you helped us navigate 2021, you sure ain't forgot us in 2022. You'll keep us safely through 2022. God, and I can't think of a better way to ring in the new year than to be in your house and to just worship you and praise you and uplift and glorify the name that's above every name because at that name every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that you are Christ the Lord. You are the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. God, this is the day that you have made and I will rejoice and be glad in it. So God, today I thank you that you are God and you're still on the throne. Father, I pray that you would open our eyes, our hearts, and our ears to hear your word today. And let everything that has been said or done in word, song, or any type of deed, love lift the name of Jesus and point everybody to the cross of Calvary. It's not about me. It's not about persuasiveness of speech. It's not about this band and singers with excellent talent. But it's about making sure everyone meets Jesus and knows who he is. For that, I praise you and give you the glory and the honor that's due your name. And the people of God together said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated briefly in the presence of the Lord. If you have your Bibles, I want you to go with me to the book of Joel, chapter number 2. The book of Joel, chapter number 2. Parents, don't forget to please go get your kids after church from the children's ministry department wing in the back. Uh, we, don't, we don't keep them here. Um, If you'd like to leave them here, we'll leave them enough rations to survive, but they'll be on their own because I'm going home. So please take them. My philosophy around here is you can talk to other parents in here, but my philosophy is don't come with any less than you came with. So you can take more of the children if if other people are fine, but don't take less. We don't, we don't, we're not, this is not one of those situations where we are in the Old Testament where you just leave your children with the preacher and he just lives with the preacher. Thank God for the new covenant and grace. You keep your own kids. So don't forget to sign your kids out for me. 
those online, uh, maybe even some in-house, you can always download on the Apple or the Google store the app called Our Church. And then when you download it, it'll ask you what's the name of your church. You put Santee Circle COG. It'll give you all the information. It's like having an app right on your phone. Or you can always just go to SanteeCircleCOG.org. has all of our information, all service times. It has the service broadcasting. It has uh, opportunities to give, all that kind of stuff, all kinds of platforms. If you like any of our services... Uh, you can always subscribe to our podcast on Apple or Google. You literally just go to those places that you listen to podcasts, and you just type in Santee Circle COG and subscribe to it. Even if you don't like our services, subscribe anyway because it gets us higher reviews on the on the Internet. So go ahead and subscribe. Don't listen. Just download it on your phone so somebody thinks you're listening. So please do that for us. That would help us tremendously. As always, there's multiple ways to give in the house of the Lord. Starting next week, we'll start implementing where you'll be bringing your tithes to the storehouse again. We won't pass the plates, but you'll bring it to Jesus, uh, like the Old Testament. But for now, uh, we are still doing it in person through the two wooden boxes in my front and then in the back right outside the double doors heading into the vestibule area. There is another give box there. You can always mail them, 1211 North Highway 52. You can go to tithe.ly and use their app and do it. Or you can go online to SanteeCircleCOG.org uh, backslash give, and it will give you all the instructions. So there's no excuses. God's been good to you. There's a way to support the ministry. As I said, the wooden boxes are in the front and the rear of the auditorium. Today is the last day we will be collecting the offering. We had this screen up for the last couple of weeks. This is the last day that we will collect, and then we'll send the monies to the western Kentucky and Tennessee victims from the tornadoes that decimated that area. If I'm not mistaken, we're almost, is it 9.50? Almost, we're over 1,000. Praise the Lord. That was what I was hoping for. We're already there. Praise the Lord. So, but still give if you can. We're going to give that uh, to those. Starting next week, we're going to be starting a 21-day fast from January 9th to, to Sunday, January 30th. You'll come off on that Sunday. There are prayer guides and resources right outside the double doors by the nursery. There are prayer guides and resources available. There's a sign-up sheet. I'm not asking you to sign your name. but there's, many, there's different days that are on that sheet. Monday through Saturday, breakfast, lunch, dinners, etc. I'm not asking you to put your name, but if you're willing to at some point in this 21 days, join me fasting and praying. Even, even if you don't do every Monday, if you'll just do one Monday, will you check off a box on Monday and just let me know? Because here's what I believe. I believe that the church, we have lost some of our power. And the reason I believe that is because I don't think we still operate in spiritual disciplines anymore. We have forgotten how to pray. Hello? Some of y'all been to other churches. I mean, come on, let's be real. People don't pray like they used to anymore. You don't have 5 o'clock Sunday prayer meetings or Monday night 7 o'clock prayer meetings. Nobody comes to that anymore. Too busy. But I believe that greater than COVID or Omicron or governmental issues, the greatest need in our world right now is for the church to get it right. We better get it right. God's coming back. We better get it right. So we're going to be on a 21-day fast. Now, this is the part where I know everybody's going to tune me out. But the Lord has impressed on my heart to call for prayer meetings. I might be the only one that shows up on Mondays. And if that's the case, then the Lord knows I mean business. Now, I, I know what some people are thinking right now. Well, Pastor, why don't you just take off Sunday night and just make that Sunday night service since we don't have a lot of people come on Sunday night. Just substitute that. That's not a sacrifice. That's reshuffling the deck. Hello? 
Fasting and prayer is not about your convenience. It's about taking a time to get with the Lord. It's not about convenience. It's about dedicating yourself and saying, Lord, I'm willing to push back a plate. I'm willing to push back social media. I'm willing to give up something so that I can get closer to you. That's what it's all about. So every Monday night during the fast, there's only three, January 10th, January 17th, and January 24th. There's only three. Now, some of you may not be able to come for work purposes. You may live too far. I get that. If you can't, we'll be streaming online. Will you at least just get online with us? Even if you comment in the comment box, just pray with us. We'll have some worship songs, two or three songs, not a whole worship set. We'll have some strategic scripture and prayer that will be led by different people here. Some There's going to be some other churches possibly joining with us. They'll help out with some of the reading and too. But you know what? I don't care if they're Baptists, Methodists, Church of God, Church of God of Prophecy, Pentecostal Holiness, non-denominational, Confused. That's the other church. That's the people to stay at home. That's the confused group. They don't know what church they're going to. They go to the Bed Springs, Church of God, where the Comforter always comes in their bed. The reality of the fact is this. We need God. We need God. I was growing up as a kid. Some of the folks that are here today, we have all of our first-time guests. Thank you for joining us. But when I was a kid growing up in my home church, every Sunday night at 5 o'clock we had prayer. For 13 and about half years or so. Every Sunday night. It wasn't a choice. I was a drug addict kid. My parents drug me everywhere they could to church. Five o'clock. The men would be in one section. The ladies would be in another one. There was no... There was... I can't can't even tell you how many times. Probably so many times. There's not a number to count. But countless times. We'd start a six o'clock church service. And some of them weren't even out of prayer meeting yet. Because that's how good God was moving. Jordy that's sitting back here, you know how his mom and dad got into the church? A prayer meeting. Marriage was falling apart. It was imploding. Andrew that's sitting in the front of him, his mother was their next door neighbor. Mother and father was their next door neighbors. They were having some issues. Miss Susie, as only she could do, she asked for the wedding ring. They were going divorced. They were leaving. They were done. She asked for a wedding ring. You know what she did? She went to 5 o'clock prayer meeting and laid a ring on a chair in the center of the room and said, I don't believe it. A couple weeks later, Jordy's mama showed up at a prayer meeting. They had a chair in the middle that they called the hot seat. You didn't sit in there unless you wanted to get hot from God. They stuck Jordy's mama right there. Can I tell you, Jordy's mom and daddy is still together. They're still married. Brother David came back home. They still go to church. Jordy's here in church with us this morning. You, you can't tell me God doesn't answer prayers. He answers prayers. So I believe there are some families that are sick. There are some families. Robert Chambers is battling cancer. Bonnie Gunn is battling cancer. Sister Sybil Emrine's got some serious, serious health concerns that may even be facing surgery, and that's even sketchy to go under the knife for her. Sister Barnes has got some respiratory issues. I, I, I'm not saying don't go to doctors, but I'm telling you I got a better doctor than the one you go to. His name's Jesus. He always gets it right. He has never misdiagnosed anything, and there's never been something he hasn't seen before. He knows how to fix it. And so we're going to have a prayer meeting. To all our first-time guests, there's a contact card in the seat in front of you. Before you leave today, if you'll just fill it out. I know some of you I may know, but some of you I may not know. If you'll fill it out so we have a record of your visit. We're not going to send you a bunch of spam mail and, you know, frosty coupons in the mail and buy one, get one hamburgers. We're not going to do that. We just want to be able to 
know, put a name with face, and send you a letter to tell you thank you for coming. To all our guests, can we, uh, both online and in-house, can the Santee Circle Church family, can we welcome our guests today with a hand of appreciation? If it is your first time, we welcome you. If it's your second time, you're not a guest. You don't get a gift anymore. So to all Brother Ray's family, welcome home. We're so glad to see you again. Thank you for being here. We would treat you like guests, but we did that last week, so now you're normal. So you just get to join the rest of this crazy bunch of people. Joel chapter 2, I'm going to ask you to stand for the reading of God's Word, chapter number 2, verse 12. We won't get through all of this series today. It'll pick up later, but we're going to get as far as we can with the Lord's help. Joel 2 and 12. We're going to read down about verse 14. Therefore, also now, saith the Lord, turn ye to me with all your heart with And with weeping and with mourning, a heart of repentance, rend your heart and not your garments. What he's saying is don't sit out in the middle of the street and tear off with sackcloth and ashes and make a public spectacle. I'm not worried about your outward appearance. The man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. He said, I want to get to your heart, not to the outer part of you. Not your garments. Turn to the Lord your God, for he is gracious. Aren't you thankful God's still gracious? And he's merciful. Aren't you glad for mercy too? Slow to anger. Thank God because we'd be in trouble if he wouldn't. And of great kindness and repenteth him of all evil. Who knoweth if he will return and repent? Leaving a blessing behind him. Even a meat offering and a drink offering unto the Lord your God. But this is where I want to pick up right here in verse 12. Turn to me with fasting. We're starting a new series today that I'm going to be over the next few weeks preaching on spiritual detox. There are some things in the church that have to be cleaned out before God can fill it back up. People pray all the time, Lord, I want you to send numerically people. I learned a long time ago, God could send 500 people one Sunday to a church, but that church may not be ready for them, so there won't be a retention of them because they're not ready for them when they get there. God knows that. If 500 people showed up this morning while I would thank the Lord, we'd have to do church outside. I can't fit 500 people to codes and zones in this building. But I can tell you one thing. God can always be preparing us for the next season that lies ahead. 2022 is all about a new season. In fact, the Lord has dropped in mind. I'm not going to give you all of that. I'll preach the vision statement to the church later. But the word for this year, when I always think about it, the word for this year God put in my heart is the word renewal. God doesn't have to restart it. He doesn't have to recreate it. He just needs to renew it. The Bible said, He who began a good work is faithful to complete it. I just need Him to renew the contract. I just need Him to renew my heart. I just need Him to make it just kind of get a kickstart again to make it. So here's what I want to preach to you on today. It's not a diet, but it's a decision. It's not a diet. It's a decision. Father, may you add the blessing to the reading of your word today. Open eyes, hearts, and ears. Let us not only be hearers, but doers thereof of your word. In Christ's name we pray. The body of Christ said, Amen. 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 You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. If you don't know by now what we're going to be talking about for the next few minutes, I'm going to make it real simple for you. Fasting. (laughs) I can't tell you the last time. Now, I don't go to everybody's church Facebook pages and YouTube channels to know, so I can't honestly concretely uh, today tell you uh, exactly if this has ever happened but I can't tell you the last time I physically have heard 
a message just centered on fasting. I can't tell you the last time I've heard that. Now, I can tell you I've heard a lot of messages over the last couple of years, Sister Brenda, about blessings, prosperity. God's going to give you a new season, a new day. You're going to walk in your new destiny. That's great. That's exciting. But what people fail to realize is sometimes before you can walk into your new season and your new destiny, sometimes God's going to isolate you. Nobody likes that part of the story. Moses was a great leader. But before he became the leader that he was, that he was, after becoming the prince of Egypt and killing an Egyptian man, before he could go set God's people free, he went through a season of isolation in a wilderness. See, everybody wants the blessings of God, and everybody wants the, the manifestations of God's Spirit, but nobody wants to walk in desert seasons to understand the importance of those seasons. Everybody wants a fat check in the bank. People just don't want to work to get one. Hello, preacher. Restaurants in Monk's Corner are shutting down left and right, and it says staffing crisis. There's a reason. It's not because there's not jobs available. There's not people wanting to work them. <laughs> there are seasons. But one of the things that I have come to realize over my lifetime, and the Lord's really been dealing with me with this new word called renewal, is this. That a lot of people want God to do something for them. They're just not willing to do something first. They want God to bless them. And some people, I hate to even admit this, but some people want God to bless their sin rather than repent from their sin. Some people want to still live together and shack up and do things they got no business doing. Some people want God to bless them knowing they're living in sin, but don't want to face the reality that they're living in sin. Now, I don't want to, I, I don't, I'm just don't, understand, don't misunderstand me and please don't start, you know, tweeting and Facebooking and hashtagging people that you know when I say this. But it's really breaking my heart because I've seen over the last few months and years that there has been a steep decline in morality in church leadership. I have seen where we will condone sin and put them in positions if they're even if they're not qualified. If we think they make us look better, we'll overlook the sin so they can make us look good on social media. Well, they play good. They sing good. I mean, I know they probably shouldn't be the youth director, but I mean, they're good with, they connect with them. They're young. I don't need someone living in sin to teach my young people how to sin. I need people to teach my young people how to live right, not sin. Now, I'm not saying everybody's got to be suits and ties like me. As you can scan this whole entire audience, you can see this morning. I might be in a suit and tie, but half of y'all are in polos. Some of you are in jeans. Some of you are in t-shirts. That's fine. I'm not worried about that. I'm worried about your heart. Because the Bible said, I just read to you, don't turn back to me with your garments. You turn back your heart to me. Because one thing I learned a long time ago is when you get your heart right, God will tell you how to dress. He'll tell you how to live. He'll tell you how to walk. He'll tell you how to talk. Once the heart gets right, everything will fall into place. But one of the things that I've learned is that before we can experience the power of God, sometimes we've got to not go on a diet, but we've got to make a decision that nothing else matters but God. Because fasting is not designed for you to lose weight. That's a diet. Fasting is not designed to make you feel good. Fasting is designed for you to give up some kind of comfortable thing or something that makes you comfortable and to set it aside and say, there is nothing more important to me than you, God. There's not a television show. There's not a, a, a pan of macaroni and cheese. There's not a sporting event. There's not anything that matters more 
than you, God, in this moment. That's what fasting is all about. You see, when Joel writes this passage of Scripture, disaster has struck in the southern kingdom of Judah. They have been at war, have lost many lives without warning. Amidst this black, ominous cloud that descends on the land, there comes locusts on the land. And these locusts start eating massive crops in devastation. That's why you read scriptures like this. That the Lord can restore the years that the canker worm and the lotus, the locust, the lotus worm, have eaten. Because the nation of Israel had seen this literally happen before their eyes. This dreaded pestilence or plague of locusts. Every green thing had seemingly been stripped bare. Joel writes as God's spokesman during the time of King Joash. He seizes this opportunity to proclaim the message of God. He talks about sin. He talks about the penalty of sin. There's still a cost to pay when you sin, church. I've said it many times around here. Sin will take you farther than you want to go, cost you more than you want to pay, and leave you in places longer than you intend to stay. There is pleasure for a season, but it stinks when you come out of that season. He talked about the penalty, the promise. The name Joel literally means Yahweh is God. Can I tell you this morning, I don't know what's going to happen in midterms in November. I don't know what's going to happen at Pennsylvania Avenue. I don't know what's going to happen with COVID in South Carolina next week, next month, even this year. I can't tell you if we're going to have to shut down again or not. I don't know, but I can tell you as I read through the man, the prophet of God, Joel, his name alone says God, Yahweh is God. I'm telling you whether it's Democrat, Republican, whether it's Omnicron or COVID-19, whether it's shut down or come together, there's still a God. He's never slumbered. He's never slept. He's never forgotten us. There is still a God that sits above heaven and earth. And I come by to remind someone in 2022, God got us through 2021, and He's sure going to get us through 2022 because God still is God. There's wickedness in the generation. Boy, that sounds like the world today. Wickedness in this generation. God's people were bearing immeasurable burdens. Doesn't that sound like today? We're bearing a lot of bearing a lot of burdens. The enemy was oppressing. Anybody ever felt the enemy pressing against you sometime? And in some instances, it seemed like he was winning. According to his fellow comrades, Isaiah, in Isaiah 58 and 6, the Bible asked this question: Is this not the fast? That I have chosen to loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo heavy burdens, and to let oppressed and captive people go free and to break every yoke. Can I tell you, it doesn't matter how well I preach, doesn't matter how well they sing, it doesn't matter how well they play, until we push aside the comfortabilities of life and say, God, I need more of you. We will not see captive hearts set free. We will not see wickedness turn around to righteousness. We will not see heavy burdens lifted because we've got to tell God with our actions that we mean business before He does His business. See, the reality is this. I've heard countless people say, oh, I've got sons and daughters that are lost. And I've got this one that I want to get in church and that one I want to get in church. And we've heard, the, we've heard it all. Come on, we've heard it all. You know why I think 
Sometimes wickedness still prevails. I mean, I know it's always going to prevail, but you know why I think it's a big deal? And you know why I think there's still people with heavy burdens and struggles? And you know why I think that there are people that are still captive to their past or captive to a bad relationship or a bad marriage or a bad home life? is because they haven't learned to get hold of God. Because I'm going to tell you that bad things do happen to good people, but God is still good regardless of the bad. The reality of the fact is that if we want to see sons and daughters saved, how desperate are we? Hello? We want to see spouses saved, how desperate are we? We want to see altars filled with the presence of God and the power of Pentecost and people filled with the Spirit of God, how desperate are we? See, I'm, can, 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 can I have the liberty to just rant for five seconds and I'll get back on this topic? Just humor me. I get tired of hearing, and I'm not talking about this church, I'm using universally. I get tired of hearing people tell me how good it was way back when. That infuriates me more than you ever know. You know, I bet slap, I'd rather you slap me in the face and tell me that. I'm not talking about reminiscing. I'm talking about when it's, oh, Pastor, or Brother Jonathan. Well, I tell you, man, back in the day, well, I wish, well, I wish church was like it was back then. I was on Facebook last week. I saw somebody wrote on there, is there any church of gods anymore uh, that still operate in Pentecost? And, I, and it hit me like a ton of bricks. That we have to get on social media because people don't even know we're Pentecostal anymore. They're having to ask, are there churches of God that still operate in Pentecost? Think about that. Now, they were from a different state. I didn't know this person. But it's sad that they are Googling, and when they visit churches, they... Not sure it's the church of God that they think they're at or whatever. And then they're asking, are there any ones out there anymore? See, I, I get tired of hearing people tell me about how, boy, Pastor, I remember we'd have, we'd have five people get saved. We'd have ten people. Yeah, Pastor, it was one time, 13 people got filled with the Holy Spirit on a, on a spontaneous church service on a Monday night. Well, here's, here's where I lose, I guess, my ability to be... Uh, understanding to them the Bible says God's the same yesterday which is what they're talking about Bible said God's the same today while we're talking about it right now and he's the same forevermore which means even when I'm dead and gone he's still right that's the Bible I didn't I'm in the book still so if if he's the same yesterday, today, and forever, my question is, then why aren't we seeing saved, sanctified, Holy Ghost baptized, spirit-filled believers, people walking in newness of life, old things passing away, all things become new, seeing people's morality and their change in behavior. Why don't we see it? It ain't because obviously God changed. Hello. <laughs> I'll tell you what happened. We stopped praying. We stopped fasting. We stopped being desperate enough for God. We have gotten in a place of comfortability. We like padded pews. We like air conditioning. But you know, in days gone by, while people saw that under tent, uh, sawdust floors and tents and uh, no air conditioning and no sound system, because they didn't matter about the comfortabilities of life. They didn't care if they had a sound system or not. They came to worship the Lord and the beauty of holiness. It didn't matter if there were screens or not screens, lights or no lights. God was the only thing that mattered to them at that moment. But we live in a society now that we get too complacent and comfortable that even God's become comfortable to us. He's just a book on a shelf. 
when I need him, I'll take him down. When life's good, you stay there till I call you back. That ain't how he works. See, we don't see that anymore because we're not operating in the spiritual disciplines like those people did either. There's countless stories of religious leaders, the Jonathan Edwards, the D.L. Moody's, and many others, that sometimes would go on not a day, not a week, but month-long fast, seeking God for the next assignment that they were on. You can't even get people to give up 10 minutes of television to read their Bible a night, much less fast. <laughs> Boy, that's good preaching even if I am doing it by myself today. I understand that my, the sign says Church of God, we might decide that we need to take that down because we're not operating like that today. But that's still the truth. People won't even give up 10 minutes of a football game to read their Bible. But, but, they, but so I expect them to fast, but they can't even turn the television off to read a page of Scripture. But old pastor, I got a lost son or daughter. I want you to pray for him. Um, why don't you help me out, brother so-and-so or sister so-and-so? Why don't you see how desperate you don't want your son or daughter to go to hell? And I'll pray, but how about you do the same? Don't ask me to do something you're not willing to do too. How about you turn it off, sit down, read your word, and you pray, and I'll pray with you. Where two or three agree is touching any one thing. He's in this. Not just let the preacher do it only. Nobody wants to operate. So I want you to understand there's a lot going on. So the first thing I want you to understand is fasting is not just a casual thing. It's essential. Every believer at some point in their life should experience the discipline of fasting. You say, why is that the case? Well, we say we are Christians. When you break down the phonetical and the uh, uh, meaning Behind Christian, basically in simple terms for all simplistic purposes, it means Christ-like. It's real simple. Christ-like. Christian. So if I'm supposed to, and, and the Apostle Paul says that I should be an imitator of Christ. Right? Anybody? Well, I, I know I was picking on Bible reading, but I thought some of y'all had read it before. All right, I'll do it by myself. The Apostle Paul did say we should be imitators of Christ. <laughs> okay. Look it up when you get home. Do you know Jesus even fasted? So if I'm Christ-like, guess what I should be doing? There you go. Now you're catching up with me. Now you're Pentecostal. You're talking back a little bit. Before Jesus even went and became the God incarnate and do a miracle, he fasted. Before Jesus healed a blinded eye, before he ever turned water into wine, before he ever healed a crippled man, he fasted first. Go read it. Jesus he's had, gets baptized by John the Baptist. One of the greatest climactic events since holy pages of Scripture unfolds. Heaven's open, heaven opens up. And out of this beautiful ray of beaming light streams down and illuminates the face of the Son of the living God, the Lamb of God. John had just said five minutes earlier that he was that Jesus was one that while John baptized with water, Jesus was baptized with fire, and he wasn't even worthy to undo his sandal straps. And when Jesus asked John to baptize him, he said, no, no, Lord, you need to baptize me. And Jesus said, no, no, that's not the case. This is your assignment. Your assignment is to do what God called you to do. You baptize me. After this, this heaven opens up, and this majestic beam of light illuminates the face of the Lamb of God. This most beautiful dove descends and lands on Christ. Embodiment of life representing of the Holy Spirit, the triune God. The Son is there. 
the Spirit is there. And out of the beam of light that no one could see above because of the brightness, boom, this voice that said, This is my Son, whom I am well pleased. God's voice was audibly heard. When's the last time we've audibly heard God in church? I'm not talking about a messenger. I'm not talking about someone speaking in tongues and a pastor in church. I'm talking about when had nobody said anything, God said it. That'll get everybody's attention. Could you imagine right now if I was just preaching, all of a sudden you started hearing some, somebody came by on a CB radio and it, it was on our same frequency and you heard their whole conversation right now? You ought to all start busting out laughing, thinking that's pretty funny. We'd hear the whole conversation while they're going down 52. You know what prayer is? A conversation with God. That's why it's called prayer and fasting. The Bible said, then the Spirit of the Lord. Not, notice the key word. The Spirit of the Lord led Jesus into the wilderness. People think when I go through desert places, it's because I've done something wrong. No, sometimes God's leading me there because he's got something he needs to show me while I'm out there. You know why people go through desert seasons? Because when they go through desert seasons, they get desperate. You know what desperate people do? They'll, they will do anything and everything in their power to find out why they're where they are and try to get out of the hell hole that they're in. The reason Jesus sometimes puts us in desert seasons is that's the only way he's going to get our attention because we wouldn't have given it to him any other way. Because as long as there's still football games and as long as there's still basketball games and as long as there's still Hallmark movies, praise Jesus. I felt the spirit of conviction right there upon me. Better back off from those Hallmark movies. But as long as there's other things to keep my attention from God, the devil will use it to keep me from God. So God sometimes has to let tragedy happen, has to let things happen, because when my family's in shambles, my marriage is falling apart, and I'm facing possibly losing my job, all of a sudden the football game doesn't matter because I may not have money to pay for the cable anymore. All of a sudden nothing else matters but, oh God, i got to get to church, and i got to call the preacher, and i got to pray. You know why? Because desperate times and desperate measures will make us turn our face back to God. Jesus went into the wilderness. Satan comes and attacks him at various components. You know the story. He combats all of those with Scripture. But he's not eating during this time. He's fasting. The very first thing that the devil tempts him with is hunger pains. Because people get grouchy when they're hungry. Amen. Amen. Amen, preacher. Amen. Some people hunger just don't work well for them. It's like, Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde. That's like two different people you meet. Jesus is hungry. The first thing Satan says, why don't you turn the stones into bread then? It wasn't because Satan was concerned about Jesus' nourishment. He just wanted to see if the Lord would falter and fail. But I come by to remind somebody this morning, God has never faltered and he's never failed. Even when he was at his weakest point, God still was God and he remained strong. Which tells me that if he could do it when I'm at my weakest point and the devil launches his all-out arsenal on me, that if God be for me, who can be against me? Greater is he that lives in me than he that's in the world. If God was able to overcome it, I might be tempted beyond all measures of bearing, but God will always provide a way of an escape for me. Fasting is essential. Israel's strength was not in her military but she was a powerful nation. She faced challenges. She had a great population. Her strength 
was not found in how righteous she was because Isaiah very eloquently said it, that our righteousness are as dirty rags before the Lord. The best you have to offer is bad laundry to God. And nobody likes dirty laundry. Most people dread washing the dirty laundry anyway because they hate, they hate washing clothes, but after a while they get to the point they hate wearing dirty clothes, so they wash clothes. Some people don't wash clothes. They just go buy other clothes so they have extra so they don't have to even wash those. I'm preaching good today. I feel like I'm already preaching my New Year's. See, the reality of it is the best we offer God is not the best that He wants. God doesn't want your... Now, you listen to me. You're going to say, well, Pastor, that, 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 that makes sense because the Bible contradicts that. No, no, listen to what I'm about to say carefully, though, and you'll understand. God doesn't want your talent until he gets your heart. God doesn't want your tithes. Pastor, I can't believe you said you don't want my tithes. No, I didn't say that. We need it because we have bills to pay. And I, I do occasionally like to eat, even though it looks like I'm fasting already. But God doesn't want your money before he has your heart. Because once he has your heart, you'll use your talents for his glory. And once he has your heart, you'll want to give back to him and re... You want to give back to him all of the blessings that and benefits he's bestowed upon you. You'll give back. God loves a cheerful giver, not one who's begrudgingly forced to do it. Now, I'm going to say something probably going to make my, me get in trouble. And probably my, my council members are going to shudder in fear and be like, Oh, God, Pastor, don't tell them that. They won't help us. I'd rather you keep your money if you're going to be miserable about it. I don't want it. In fact, I don't, I don't like operating in dirty money. I don't want dirty money. We're not a broker. We're not some kind of um, brokering firm. We're not some kind of uh, bookie. It's not a booking agency. We're not, we're not here for you to give us your dirty money. It's not how this works. I, if you're going to be miserable and grumpy about it, don't give it. God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. I'll be all right. I'm not worried about it. God will take care of me. I've learned a long time ago, you take care of God's business, God will take care of your business. So, so God's not, I'm not saying God doesn't want you to eventually to tithe or eventually to give your talents, but he wants your heart right first. Fasting's essential. Proverbs 14, 34, righteousness exalteth the nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. Can I tell you, the church is not strong because we have Bibles or because we memorize Scripture. There's a lot of people that have Bibles in their home, but they're just whatnots on a shelf and dust collectors. They ain't never been cracked open. You know, I can tell the good Bible. You know what a good Bible looks like? Let me show you. Not this one, because this one's bonded leather and it's in pristine condition. You're all going to be thinking right now, Pastor obviously never reads his Bible. No. These are the ones I put on for church. I have two of these, one in red, burgundy, and one in black. I have multiple translations of different ones. These are in pristine condition, so they stay good and present a good product because I still do believe when you come to the Lord, you should give him the best you have, so I, I do that. But if I were to go in my office right now and grab my NASB, my New American Standard Bible that is, that is brown, those of you that are here on Wednesday nights, you have seen it because I teach out of that every Wednesday night. It is falling to shreds. The leather is falling apart. I'm literally, I have super glued pages back in it. In fact, I got some just, I got post-it notes in there trying to hold pages again. Not because I want to remember the scripture. I just want to hold it in place. Because I read that one. Spent time with God in that one. See, your Bible, the wear and tear of your Bible... And the callousness of your knees will say a lot about how much you've been with God. 
there's any, anybody can memorize and regurgitate information. I can give scriptures on the screen enough to get you to memorize it. That don't mean it's going to resonate in your heart. Church is not strong because of that. Israel had forgotten God. There are times I believe we as the United States have forgotten God. The problems facing Israel during this time period was not outside pressure. It was inward problems. Can I tell you, the church, we're all worried about what's going on, all the white noise going on out there in the world. But our biggest problem is not what's going on out there. we got our own problems in-house. We, we, we need to fix these for If judge, judgment begins at the house of the Lord, we got to get it right here first before we worry about what they're doing over there. I've said it to this church many times before. All my Santee Circle of Knights probably are tired of hearing me say it. I don't care what Faith is doing across the street. I don't care what Santee Circle community is doing across the street. I don't care what Forward's doing, Freedom's doing, Church of God and Oakwood Rose. I don't care. That, they have their own world they have to worry about. I don't have time. To, you know what I'm concerned about? How we are going to make it to the end. Now, I'm not bashing that. Don't say, well, Pastor John, no, they've got to figure that out for themselves. I can't pastor everybody's churches. But I'm here to tell you, we've got to quit listening to how many did so-and-so have at their church and how many did this one have and make it a competition. We all should be just striving to get everybody to heaven. This is a joint effort. Amen. See, fasting is essential. They were in captivity. Miss Carol, as you make your way. God didn't answer them with blessings. When they prayed to God, now listen to what I'm about to say. This is going to really rock your thought process here. When Israel started praying here in Joel, God didn't answer them with blessings. He didn't even answer them with healings. He did not even answer them with deliverance. But as I read to you, and if you read the rest of Joel 2 and all the way up, Joel 1 and 2, it wasn't blessings, healings, and deliverance. You know what God talked to them about? He rebuked them. God rebuked. They prayed and God rebuked them. He called them out. Because he said their fasting was in vain. They were just doing it as a show. They weren't even doing it right. And their prayers were self-centered. Look. Turn you in with all your heart and fasting, weeping and mourning. Rend your heart, not your garments, to me. See, what, what he's trying to tell them is, you go back and read it. Why do you want me to answer this? Because all you're doing is putting on a show. That's what you're doing. See, we want God to, we think fasting's all about when I fast, God's going to do something. Oh, He is going to do something. <laughs> it just may not be what you think He's going to do. Everybody fast. Everybody thinks fasting's going to make God just make miracles happen. Well, it can. And God's going to just fix all my problems. He could. God's going to just make everything better. He might. Or He might tell you open rebuke and be like, there's some things in your life you need to fix, then we'll talk. We don't want that part of fasting. Because <laughs> you know what fasting does? It will make me cognizant of what the voice of the Lord is speaking. And more often than not, when I'm fasting and reading His Word, He's going to start showing me where i got some issues that I need to fix. Prayer and fasting alone are not what moves God. It doesn't make you holier. It doesn't guarantee changes. It is about a spiritual detoxification of our spirit man. You say, what do you mean by that, preacher? Detox, when you look up the word detox, or detoxification, it simply means this, and I'm closing. 
It is a process or period of time in which one abstains from or gets rid of the body of toxic and unhealthy substance. That's Webster's Dictionary version of detox. Now think about what I just read and let's put fasting there. Fasting is a process or period of time which one abstains from and rids their spiritual body of toxic and unhealthy substances. My God, we need spiritual detox. We need a detoxification spiritually. Can I tell you many issues in our nation are not political or military or lack of wealth. It's the motives of our heart. Zechariah says this, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. For us to return to God, there must be a time of prayer and fasting. Before the pilgrims set out for America, they fasted. Abraham Lincoln proclaimed several fasts during his presidency. Governor William Bradford, after they had made it safely to the new land, proclaimed fast throughout the land when the crops were failing. And one day after fasting, rain came and it restored the crops to keep them sustained. For there to be conversions, manifestations of the Holy Spirit, signs, wonders, healings, the power of God, in order for all that to happen and to have the operation of those gifts, we have to be willing to mean business with God. We have to sometimes say, okay, God, the meal is not worth it. The show is not worth it. The ball game's not worth it. Because here's what I've learned. Desperate people will do desperate things and go to desperate measures. You see it on the news all the time. Homeless people. Man, you're here breaking in, trying to rummage through garbage, trespassing. You know why? They're desperate. Desperate. Now, while they might still get in trouble, you know what they're trying to do? They're just grasping for anything. They're desperate. You know why I think that we don't see things happening in church anymore? Because I, I honestly believe most of us don't really care anymore. We say that we want these altars filled. We say we want our sons and daughters saved, but we don't, we don't really do anything desperate enough to make that become reality. We keep saying things, but oftentimes, like the old proverb always says that, you know, people put, people put a lot, can say a lot of words. Words are just words till they actually have action behind them. I can say all day long, I want a brand new car until I go to the dealership, Brother Barnes, or wherever, give them money. I'm not going to have a new car. <laughs> Action. I can say all day long, I want to retire one day. But if I've never worked, Brother Ray, I sure don't know how I'm going to have something to retire from. Because it takes action. You want sons and daughters saved? You want people to see the powerful manifestation of God's Spirit? You want to see it happen? Well, you got to sometimes put action to it. I know some of you in here have questions. Uncertainty in 2022. Some of y'all got problems. Some of you got family dynamics. Some of you got issues that you want the Lord to work out in 2022. But how desperate are you? How desperate are you? Are you just, oh yeah, I'll pray about it. I hope it works out. Or are you meaning business with God?
I'm telling you, fasting is essential not just for the moving of God's hand and presence, but it's also essential to get us right with God so we are in tune with what He's saying. So here's my challenge before we break to a time of invitation. The title of this message was simply this. It's not a diet, it's a decision. Everything when churches, every time a pastor preaches and every time this is over, you have a decision to make. That's what invitations or altar calls are all about. You make a choice. Now, most people, here's their choice. Pastor's preached a good message today, didn't he? It's good, wasn't it? Pastor's asking people to come up to pray. I know I probably should go, but, you know, I'm just going to stay here. Oh, yeah, you see, brother so-and-so. I know pastor asked us to bow our head and close their eyes, but he had to know I was going to look to see who raised their hand. Brother Jones, can you believe Brother Randy raised his hand? I wonder what he's going through. You know anything? You heard anything? Has he got health issues? What's going on in his life? Why do you, why do you think Sister Jennifer came up to, to pray? What, what you think there's something, there's something wrong with her and Brother Larry? What about their kids? Did you hear anything? Pastor's out here giving the clarion call. Hey, come all. Come, make a decision. Come to Jesus. Yeah, I, I, that was a good message. I don't want to go up there. What if somebody thinks something about me? You know, if, if I was looking, that means obviously probably somebody else was looking too. What if they saw my hand if I raised it? Who cares? I'm going to say one scripture and then I'm going to open it up this for invitation. If you're ashamed before me before men, I will be ashamed before my heavenly Father. Your choice, not His. Your choice, not His. So, that's it with every head bowed and every eye closed please no cheating I just called you out on it so don't make me be a bad guy now is there someone that would say to me this morning or this afternoon before we dismiss pastor there's some things I need God to work out in 2022 I got some needs I've got some questions I've got some decisions I need to make and I need God to help me get through it Pastor, this message today spoke to me, and I, I gotta have I gotta have an answer from God. Even if it's not today, I, I need God to help me get an answer. You say, Pastor, that's me. Will you just slip and raise your hand? No one looking but me and Jesus. Yes, 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 that's yes, yes. Thank you. Yes. I see those hands. God bless you. You may put them down. No one looking around. Every one of you that raised your hand, I want you to come stand here and hold my hand just like last week. I want you to come stand with me. Come here. You know what? There's plenty of you. It ain't like you're going by yourself. Come on. Just make a line right here. Right here. Don't face them. Just face the front. Don't face them. You just keep your back to them. That way they can't see you. Just stay body right there. If you feel comfortable, grab somebody's hand. If you don't, that's okay. But if you don't mind, make a prayer link. Just grab hands. Make a chain. I do believe God's a God of connectivity and about fixing things. I believe that God is all about networking and connecting. Now, before the rest of you get to help me out here, there are people that are standing before me right now that said they need God this year. I'm not sure what 2022 is going to bring to a lot of people, but I know God's still in control no matter what. 
I believe that. So here's what I need today. I need people to help me pray. I don't need you to get in front of them. I don't need you to ask them a hundred questions. I need you to, I got them standing with their backs to you. I just need people that will be people of contact that will come behind somebody up here and put your hand behind them and pray for them. Who's willing to help me? There's a whole, I got men and women. I got plenty of choices. Just put your hand behind them. You don't got to get in front of them and ask them questions. I don't need you to ask them questions. I don't need you to find out their dirty laundry. I just need them to have somebody as a contact. Don't let anybody be alone. If possible, make sure everyone's touched. Everyone possible. Have a connection. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Now for the rest of you that are sitting in your pews. I want you to stretch out your hand this way. And I want you to pray like it was you. That was standing up here. Just stretch your hands this way and pray. Father. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. While they're finishing praying, all those sitting in the pews, let me ask you this. How many of you, under the sound of my voice, are willing to commit to still pray for these people today? See, we always think about praying for them when we're at church, but they still have to face the same Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday you face. How many of us are willing to say, God, I don't, you don't have to remember their names, but how many of you are willing to join with me this week and say, God, 
I'll keep praying for them. I'll help them. I'll keep lifting them up to Jesus. Amen? Amen? Hallelujah. For all of us watching online, God bless you. We love you. Thank you for being here. Tune in tonight for 6 p.m. worship. Uh, and God bless you today. All of you in-house, thank you so much. Uh, Brother Andrew and some of those will be in the back.